Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about insecurity, how habitual insecurity can impact us, the role of social media and the power of vulnerability. So joining me this week is Olivia Purvis. Liv is an OG blogger, content creator and author. In 2018, she founded online platform The Insecure Girls Club, a space for women to embrace vulnerabilities and empower themselves through wearing their insecurities on their sleeves. In 2020, she published The Insecure Girls Club Handbook and continues to work these open conversations into her fashion, lifestyle and more recently parenting content. You're more than your insecurity as well. Like you're more than the inner critic in your head saying you're not good enough. You are way more than, you know, your thoughts. We're here to talk about insecurity. Tell me about the Insecure Girls Club and how that kind of came about. Right. Oh, my God. So the Insecure Girls Club started in 2018, which I still think was last year. Um, (laughs) I'm like, it started last year. It started in 2018 and it started as an Instagram page, which I had so little expectation of. I just kind of started it almost as an extension of some of the conversations I was having on my personal blog. Um, But I feel like because my personal blog kind of talks about fashion and travel and music and beauty and so many things already, I felt like the conversations I wanted to have that felt more vulnerable and intimate would get diluted by that. So I felt Mm. like I wanted a space, but also a space that wasn't just my perspective, because obviously with insecurity, with all like the things that umbrellas my perspective is just that it's just my perspective and mm-hmm. it it affects people in so many different ways and I just thought it'd be so nice to make something quite collaborative and combining the things that I love which is I love connection with people I love filming people um and almost create a space for that and that began in 2018 I kind of launched the page and it snowballed um kind of quicker than I could keep up with which was amazing I feel really lucky for it and now it's a website and it's a book and I have lots of plans for it but because it's just me at the moment it's one of those ones that sometimes the the ideas are bigger than everything but anyway it's a basically wow long answer short I asked an I asked a question that required a long answer it's all good (laughs) okay if I'd have given you a one word answer you'd been like this is going to be a very short recording um (laughs) But it's a platform essentially for people to share their insecurities and vulnerabilities and wear them on their sleeves essentially and feel like they have a platform or a space to talk about the things that they might not otherwise get to share. Yeah. And I mean, it is a girls' club in its title. Did you find, I mean, I guess if you're blogging about a lot of, um, you know, beauty and style and things, it would make sense that you'd have quite a female audience anyway 
but did you find it felt like a very feminine experience when you were having these conversations about insecurity yes and no this is it's a funny one because I feel like I called it the girls club because I guess in terms of the insecurities I'm familiar with I felt qualified to talk about them in that sense because mm-hmm. I've had conversations with other people like other genders and people and I think for me I wouldn't want although it's a space that allowed like anyone can contribute to I felt like it was a space that I felt experienced and qualified to discuss more women's insecurities than anybody else's because Mm -hmm. I know that insecurity affects men very differently and I wouldn't want to suddenly be like well um but I also think it's something that I suppose with the insecurity that women face it, it is so specific. I mean, whether that's body image in the media, whether that's friendships and the way females communicate and the kind of dynamics and friendship groups, I feel like it is quite unique, um, even with like work and the measures of success and what that looks like to people and motherhood. I felt like calling it the Insecure Girls Club kind of encapsulated that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that it's exclusive. It's like, I want it to be the most inclusive platform possible. Um, so it's not like um, like a you can't sit with us because we're a secure club. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like talking about those things were the things that I had experience in and the people that I was talking to had experience in, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely makes sense. I mean, you kind of just mentioned there about different types of insecurity. I feel like quite often maybe especially on social media kinds of things when you talk about insecurity I don't know if I'm sure it's not just my mind you kind of instantly jump to things that are sort of physical and like appearance-based insecurities because so much of what we do and the media that we're looking at consuming all the time is very you know it's photos it's videos increasingly now that we're looking at all the time did you find that the the sort of initiation of the platform was that thinking more about physical insecurities was it more other sort of non-appearance related things or has it always sort of been been a mash of everything what was resonating with people I feel like honestly it's always been a bit of a mash of everything which is really interesting because I think when I started it I felt really quite deep in the throes of comparison and the insecurities around friendships and work and feeling like I was behind with things. I always kind of like inverted commas say things because I'm like, what does that mean? What does it mean Mm. to be behind? Like in the timeline of what? Um, And I guess I started it in that sense. And then the different women I spoke to would say, would maybe talk about body image or different things that they felt insecure about and then it became something I I, I don't know it's, it's funny isn't it because I feel like when I started it it was such a mix and we have so many contributions on the website and they literally can span over so many things um and although I do feel like body image and the way we look has such a huge thing actually I think in terms of the website it's not necessarily the the overarching thing we talk about um and I don't know I don't know whether that's sometimes because there are other spaces online that do that so brilliantly and Mm. really kind of hone in on that and have experts that are talking about it and I feel like 
I don't know maybe this is my own insecurity like god this is getting a bit meta where I'm like oh I don't feel qualified enough to talk about an insecurity that is mine or (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but I feel like there are so many amazing platforms doing that I mean it's kind of what comes in I guess and what is submitted that we share so I feel like it's it is a real mixed bag I mean in the book we spoke to um, Nadia Craddock who's a body image researcher and I've had so many interesting conversations that have kind of picked up on things that have been discussed um especially when that comes to things like Instagram and like I, I feel like with insecurity comparison seems to be the overarching thing because when we're looking and feeling insecure so much of it is because we're looking sideways and we're not kind of applying that tunnel vision that we know we should be doing. So you mentioned Instagram there and we've kind of mentioned social media already as it, it seems difficult not to these days for more, for more than five minutes but do you think that social media even perhaps more than the mainstream media now is fueling our insecurity do you think those things always go hand in hand is that you know is social media something that people talk about on that platform a lot as a reason why they maybe feel insecure in themselves yeah it is and I wish it wasn't because I feel like I really tried to be a really positive advocate for social media because I think it's got so many positive benefits and I think if you are able to kind of curate what you see online especially on social media it can be a really positive place like an incredibly positive place but I also do think that so many insecurities from the ones that seem really obvious like we said about body image and comparison whether that's celebrities whether that's models whether that's influencers that's kind of the top line but then I think it kind of filters through in quite a subtle way where you can just be on Instagram or I don't know what what are the kids using nowadays or say Facebook TikTok like, yeah <laughs> you can see all your friends hanging out on TikTok I don't know um but I feel like you could you could sit there and I know that I've sat on Instagram in the past and been like oh my god everyone's having a really great bank holiday because they're all out mm-hmm. and enjoying the sun and they're all having a great barbecue and I'm not here I'm not there sorry but I chose to stay in And even though that was best for me, I now feel really left out. Or if someone's got a new job, you'll hear about it on Instagram. Or Mm. I think it's that kind of thing which can subtly kind of fuel that insecurity. And that's not to say that's social media's fault, because I feel like those things are perhaps things that you'd find out about through a WhatsApp group. I mean, that's social media anyway, I guess. But they're Mm. things you'd perhaps otherwise speak to your friends about. But I feel like it's so different in person if you're having a chat with your mate and they're like oh my god I got a promotion you're more likely to have a different response potentially if you're face to face and it can be more of a balanced discussion whereas I think when you're online it seems so I guess intensified that you're kind of scrolling and it's like oh that person's got a new job or that person's on holiday and that person's with all their amazing friends and that person's just got married and then suddenly Mm -hmm. you're it kind of kind of I guess amounts to a lot more than it would do if you weren't on social media so I do feel like there is that and I think insecurity is so fueled by that but I think it's trying to put tools into practice and to kind of almost support yourself a little bit when using those platforms to be able to identify when it doesn't feel good and why it's not making you feel good and I have to really practice that still and they're things I talk about and I preach and I'm like we should be using this better but I know I am so bad at it I can sit on my phone and I can just be like oh I it's everything I feel like you can compare everything like 
I can't even sometimes I can't even say because it feels so embarrassing the things you end up comparing to but you're just like oh they've already gone to the gym this morning and they're having a really nice breakfast and oh god I've only got milk in and just like really silly things and that I mean that's literally like so petty and it's the first thing I thought of but I do think if you're able to kind of almost check in with yourself and be like okay I can acknowledge that this isn't making me feel good right now Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes what I try to do is when I'm feeling like that or I can feel myself veering off into like a scroll hole I kind of think okay what's on my to-do list what would my ideal day look like in this situation and you know sometimes I might lay in bed and say well or like last thing at night for example because I feel like that's when I'm my most anxious I might say okay you know I could lay on my bed and scroll on TikTok for an hour and a half but my dream evening in this instance would be having a shower putting a pizza in the oven and watching when harry met sally and that's kind of like the main character evening in my head and i think well they're all really achievable things i could do right now so why don't we do that instead of doing something that's not going to make you feel good and i think it's trying to have do those small things to kind of take away the feelings that social media social social media (laughs) can really enhance yeah definitely and I mean you've kind of just alluded there to things that you personally might sort of see that might make you feel insecure and I think from following you and obviously you have a platform about insecurity so I feel like you're quite good at talking about insecurities on the internet do you always find it easy to share about that sort of stuff online? I feel like it's quite, we're in a patch of social media now where a few years ago it was maybe a lot more curated and everything people put out and everything it seems like people wanted to see was just this really perfect everything. And now I think, you know, what what everybody wants to the point where they've even become sort of buzzwordy and you you don't know what they mean anymore is like the authenticity and like relatability do you think it's easy to share about insecurities online or is that still difficult for you sometimes I feel like it's a really funny one to tread because I feel like I'm constantly trying to work out what where the balance lies for me because Mm. obviously I have the insecure girls I have my personal platform as well where I share a lot of like nice fashion-y photographs and things I really love doing and while also sharing the stuff that I feel like I put a lot of work into like the fashion shoots and the fun videos I also really try to be really honest and authentic um and I am very open with like the things I'm finding like my insecurities and what I'm going through but I feel like it's definitely something that I'm trying to navigate because I think sometimes I think when you're in it as well it's so hard to sometimes I think especially when you have a platform I feel a lot of guilt if I'm not sharing what I'm going through as I'm going Mm. through it because it feels dishonest but I've come to learn that actually you don't owe anyone the messiness you don't owe anyone everything Um, And if you feel that it's helpful to you to share something because you feel that's right, then you should. But I think there's no, there should be nothing wrong with actually saying, do you know what, things aren't great, but, 
or not even having to justify that, but just be able to go through things privately and because it's not the right time to share something or you don't ever want to share that thing. Um, But I do think it's that real kind of tricky spot where I feel like I'm constantly grappling with this, yeah, like this being authentic with also recognizing what's healthy for me to talk about and what's Mm. comfortable and you know I I think as well like when I talk about some insecurities I have I also can like look back at like I also want the space to look back at them objectively and say well I feel insecure about that but I'm also aware that I have enormous privilege in that area and me feeling insecure about that is valid because I think you know we're all entitled to feel however we feel about things and insecure but if I'm talking about this online, is it actually beneficial? Is this going to make other people feel a bit rubbish about something or draw attention to something they might not have felt insecure about or think, well, if she feels insecure about that, God, well, maybe I should feel like, I just think it's about trying to work out when it's useful for you and for other people, because especially having a platform, there is a responsibility with other people as well, where, you know, I'd hate for, someone me to talk about something because I felt like I was almost pushed to talking about something and then someone read it and feel rubbish about themselves I mean I've been in that situation where I've people I've followed have spoken about things which they are so entitled to speak about and you know no one should feel they have to be pleased on talking about any insecurity they feel because it's valid but I remember reading something once that someone said about their body and then thinking oh well, I've not thought about that about my body but oh my god and then suddenly mm. it was something I was thinking about and that surely couldn't have been very helpful for many people and it, I think it's trying to work out where that balance lies sometimes I don't think there's a correct answer necessarily and like I say everyone's entitled to kind of talk about the things and I think sometimes it's so helpful sharing when you feel insecure about something because often I think in life vulnerability is met with vulnerability which is such a special thing where if I talk about something difficult online it will nine out of ten times be met with other people going through that experience and people are so willing to have a conversation about it or say you're going to be fine you'll get through it or there's light and all the things which are so special to hear but I think it's kind of sometimes just weighing up when it feels right for you and knowing that being authentic doesn't always mean bearing all all the time you can you can exist authentically while also just saying actually I'm a human and I'm going through some private things that's fine (laughs) yeah I completely agree I think that is a really tricky balance and they're all all really good points and it is I think it's hard these days maybe more than in the past to kind of try and tread that line and make sure that you're not make sure that you're sharing things but yeah to really really try and guess the impact that it's going to have on each individual person who receives that message which which actually is a really really difficult thing to do because you can't always imagine how someone's going to react to something and even if you can someone reacting someone reacting to something you've said doesn't doesn't always mean that you don't have the right to say it this is this is obviously very dependent on on a context situation we won't get get into specifics but oh a hundred percent of course but yeah that's the thing like you can't 
you can't control other people's reactions but then it's having that accountability as well if you're going to put something online yeah exactly but also knowing that yeah you don't you don't have to to be honest online you don't have to share everything and it's it's so tricky it's so difficult it's so nuanced I think and it's something that I think we've not really we're all I guess the weird thing about all of this is we're all figuring it out as we go yeah <laughs> which is really yeah, difficult definitely and I mean that's that's kind of the thing isn't it it's like I think it is one of those things that kind of in and of itself just knowing that you're not the only person sort of going through it or having the thoughts I think can be quite helpful so that's obviously sort of a pro in the sharing about insecurities column um, of like having the the community and the sort of camaraderie of people who are feeling the same way have you kind of picked up on any other sort of common themes or lessons from the insecure girls club are there any anything you've picked up about sort of actually tackling insecurities or lessons that people have shared about how they deal with insecurity there have been so many and I think I've had so many conversations where I've wanted to just be like stop I need to hear that again or like I need to reread that or I need to write that down and I actually wrote a few down because I thought otherwise I will either waffle or forget um and Brilliant. I think <laughs> now you can hear my notebook. Um, I just knew I'd forget things, but they're things that like, I guess, kind of slip into your periphery of thought and then you refer back to without even really realising. And I think over the last few years, having done the, like worked on the Insecure Girls Club for that long and been on that Instagram page and had so many conversations with different amazing people, things just kind of have subliminally just slipped into my behaviors in terms of Mm. the way I deal with things because there are things in the last year I think oh my god I've not I don't know when I've looked in the mirror I've not been like oh I've not pulled myself apart as much or there's just subtle things I think my markers of success have changed and maybe that's becoming a parent in a respect where a day feels like a success if you get to the end of it and you've you know had three meals and your child had three meals and you're both happy and tired and you've had a busy like that to me is success now whereas I think a few years ago I might have been like I don't know I had such high bars of what success looked like the real kind of stepping stone milestones of like that is success that is success and I think maybe it's the last two years as well and living in a pandemic where it kind of refocuses things and and maybe it's things like that. Maybe it's having these conversations where you actually go, hang on, there's more to take from this. But anyway, let me tell you some of the things. Um, to the notebook. To the notebook. <laughs> um, so one thing I wrote down, which is something that I feel like has always kind of plagued me with insecurity is past feelings of like embarrassment or when I've got things really wrong or when I've said something embarrassing or when someone's said something to me that I felt really embarrassed about or mainly things when I was a teenager and I mean there's one instance in the book maybe this is a little bit TMI but you know we'll we'll, let's go there we'll go there um and I remember standing on a train platform and my ex-boyfriend um when I was like 15 shouted across the train platform like hairy muff and I was just like dying and I was like this is awful (sighs) and for years I was like 
oh my God, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And I think that's just a really silly top line example, but I think it made me feel so insecure, A, about my body, but B, about being vulnerable with other people. And then also what I learned from that, I think, was being able to reclaim it as a grown woman and actually look back on like, that's a really silly example. But now I look back and I can say, what? That's so ridiculous and childish. And I think it kind of applies to so many examples in life where I think when you can reclaim things and actually look back and step into them a little bit and say, no, or that was ridiculous, or I don't know, just I think that taking ownership of a situation and maybe it helps I have a platform in this instance or where I can write about things that have kind of troubled me and or maybe where I've messed up. I think sometimes you don't have to let that follow you around all the time because I think sometimes like there have been things in life where I feel like I failed and rather than let that define me, I think when you can step into that and say, okay, that didn't work out, but it becomes more empowering than anything. I don't know whether that that sounds really silly, but there's that. Um, yeah, I spoke a little bit about, um, success markers and changing those that really helped, I think, because I think a lot of people I found, especially on the Insecure Girls Club, talk about the kind of pressures of what success looks like and Mm -hmm. particularly around turning 30 and what is expected of what people feel is expected of them and society expects of us, which is, you know, thinking about getting a house maybe getting married children like those kind of things getting promotions and I guess actually working out what is important to you and not what is important in society has been such an important thing for me because I think I've been such I was gonna say such a victim of that success ladder um and I don't think that's the right term because I feel like everything I've done has been wonderful but I think that's always what I thought it looked like to be really happy and successful. Yeah. Um, And I think actually reassessing that and realizing that you don't need to have big milestones in life to have a really happy existence is such a freeing thing. Like you're not waiting for the next thing. And I think I kind of have been in the past, been in the habit of waiting for the next thing to be like, okay, that then I'll be, then I'll be really happy. And that's when that will happen. Um, and I think a lot of us perhaps put a lot onto that, like you could be in a really happy relationship, but then be feeling insecure because you're not engaged or getting married. And actually that doesn't necessarily bring more happiness. It just, it's Mm. what is expected. Um, so I think that's been a lesson I've learned as well. going to turn the page. Um, loving it. And another thing I wrote down, which... (laughs) The wording I feel like is something that I'd say, but maybe I don't know if it really translates, but it's like getting cozy with yourself um, and not waiting for external validation or praise and being able to be in a place where if you feel good about something, if you're proud of something, you're not waiting for someone else to say, that was really cool. That's a really good thing you did. Actually, you can just say, I did this thing and it was cool Um, because I think I'm definitely someone that, waits for other people to validate most things <laughs> for me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm like oh no maybe that was a bit shit and I think I've constantly got this inner critic which is going oh no no you're not qualified to do this or like you know you're not interesting enough or anything like that whereas actually sometimes it takes a lot of practice to just get to a point where you can say oh no no like 
I'm like, I don't need 10 people to compliment my dress before I know it's a cool dress or like, I don't need someone to say that, but writing was good if it felt good to write it, even if it Mm. isn't good, whatever. Everything's conceptual, isn't it? If it isn't good. (laughs) Yeah, this is the thing is, and not everybody is going to have the same opinion of what's good or what's cool or what isn't anyway because yeah. we're what all are those things people. what is cool yeah <laughs> literally and back to the notebook um <laughs> and I feel like the overarching thing without reading out hundreds of different things I've learned is that everyone feels it like everyone feels insecurity in some kind of package and we're all a work in progress and going through it and we're all going to experience different things at different times and getting it wrong is okay. And you're more than your insecurity as well. Like you're more than the inner critic in your head saying you're not good enough. You are way more than, you know, your thoughts when you get out of the shower and look in the mirror and feel a bit rubbish. Like you're so much more than all those things. And I think sometimes it's like being able to separate that and also kind of talk to yourself like you would your best mate and, if you Mm. wouldn't talk to your best friend like that, I know it's like the most cliche thing to say, then almost being able to check in with how you're talking to yourself. And I'm, I'm trying to become more mindful about how I talk to myself and, you know, when I'm having a bad day rather than go, Oh my God, you are so stupid. And just actually being able to pull things back. Like even when we were recording earlier and I got tongue tied and I lost my train of thought, I was like, Oh, in my head, I started going, of course that was going to happen to you, Liv. Of course you were going to go on this really cool podcast and you wouldn't be able to get your words out. Oh. And then I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, mm. you have something to say. You're on here. It's cool. Just relax. <laughs> and I think it's trying to just reframe things rather than like almost dial things down a little bit because I think when you feel insecure, anxious, is almost like this middle ground and you can either go up and like really lean into that insecurity or you have to try and go okay I need to like take a breath and like reassess things a little bit and I think saying it like that with that analogy it's almost a bit like with Arlo who's my toddler if he has a tantrum and he's or he's like getting really upset over something or kicking about or it's so easy to sometimes want to be like, oh, for goodness sake, come like, or not not shout, but kind of react almost equally because you're frustrated mm. and you can't perhaps manage a situation where I know the right thing to do is to kind of like take a breath and kind of cool it down. And I think that's almost a bit like dealing with insecurity where you want to kind of just go, okay. And I remember seeing a tip on TikTok and it was someone saying that like, when you feel like really like overstimulated or like you're, you're going to snap to to almost whisper rather than talk because then it's like your voice would naturally like get louder and you have to kind of be like okay I'm going to whisper and then it kind of brings everything else down and I was like oh that's oh, quite interesting useful. and I thought that was quite cool but if not a bit weird <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine a context in which I would do that but maybe it'll, it'll pop maybe into it's my brain good at one like point a toddler because you could maybe yeah I don't know actually it's quite a weird thing <laughs> the things the internet tries to teach you until you then question it and you're like hang on am I whispering at my boss <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. really angry 
<laughs> I think that is, that is definitely a context-dependent one. I can imagine it working in, yeah, in specific situations. But equally, that does make me think of, did you ever have like a teacher at school who, when they got angry, they wouldn't get angry and shout? They would be like, right. Oh my gosh. Everything yes. would get quiet and you'd be like, oh, we've done it now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's actually quite stressful. <laughs> but it did make you listen to that person. So maybe if we're, you know quietening ourselves down and not shouting we might actually listen to the message that we're trying to give ourselves literally just just quieten it stop whispering like what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Lisa, who asks, with the, quote, fake it till you make it, unquote, mentality, and needing to be confident in the workplace to be taken seriously, especially at the beginning of your career, how can you accept and work on your insecurities if most of the day is spent hiding them and acting like the most secure person in the room? I thought this was a really great, really great question because I know that that's the kind of advice that I've been told and have probably given, which is just like, just fake it till you make it. But I think it's about flexing the muscle of uncom- discomfort and kind of not giving yourself like a full personality overhaul where you're squashing the very valid feelings of perhaps feeling out of your depth or like you're scared about things, but almost trying to approach things in a way that's pushing yourself ever so slightly whether that's something like, I don't know, being more assertive, it doesn't necessarily mean, I guess, you know, putting your hand up in a meeting and being like, well, I've got a great idea, even if that feels like something you'd like to do, I guess it may be, that could be something where you think, okay, I can't do that, but maybe I'll pull someone aside for a private chat before or after the meeting to try and show that I have got these great ideas. And I want to get more confident, but I, I I think that's the kind of overall thing is it's becoming more confident by flexing that muscle. Mm. Um, but I don't know, it's hard, isn't it? I think when you say fake it till you make it, I always imagine someone walking down an office in like stilettos in like an American movie, which is kind of like looking both ways through the corridor, like almost like a catwalk being like, oh, mm. I'm amazing. And it's so easy to say that, especially when you are someone who is, so like being in work situations in general whatever that looks like is so scary and I think it is about yeah flexing that muscle like knowing that you don't have to pretend to be somebody else you don't have to fake like you know completely change who you are and squash those insecurities but it's about perhaps having those conversations and actually working out what it is 
you feel like you have to fake to become more confident in so if that's assertiveness if that's being listened to if that's I don't know whatever that might look like being able to identify those things and saying okay they're the things I'm finding hard how can I start breaking them down and there's a quote that someone told me which is in the book and it's like the easiest way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time and I feel like Mm. that applies to so many things which is kind of like you know the best way to feel more successful might be to fake it but what does that mean and how do you do that and I guess that's just by trying those little steps and saying okay next week I'm going to um contribute once in this meeting with an idea if I feel like I've got it or I'm going to I that's such a boring suggestion where I'm like meeting 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 but um well no it's the same it's the same examples it makes sense yeah the kind of like building it up so faking it in little chunks until it becomes real (laughs) yeah I think that's it not having like not pushing yourself to a point where it becomes more stressful because I know that this is a very very long time ago but when I was in sick form I was always asked questions in history lessons and I hated it. I hated it. I hated being spoken, like asked to call out questions. And I I would have much rather it be done in a way that I pushed myself in a way that's like, okay, I'm going to volunteer an answer once a week or if I feel I can rather than being picked on. And because that feels like it sets you back a million miles. And I guess it's kind of similar in this instance where I think you start volunteering that part of yourself in a way that feels authentic without being too dissimilar to how you're actually feeling that's probably the best way if that makes sense (laughs) yeah it does and I think I agree it's kind of it's a tricky one because you don't I think to me when you hear sort of fake it till you make it I do think that can be quite useful advice but to me the, the fake it part isn't faking being somebody else to everyone else it's kind of just faking it to yourself just enough to get you through it and I think you know if you know that you're nervous about something I think part of it is just it is a way to build confidence and kind of the idea of that is the make it part at the end where you then can look back on it and go well I did that and that was great. And so I, I can do nervous. it. And therefore, yeah, I was nervous, but I did it. And then that is meant to sort of build your confidence up a bit, not to make you into a different person, but yeah. to give you actual more real confidence in yourself. But I think it is just remembering who it's for, because if you're faking things to, you know, I know it, it depends what it is for work and things but if you're putting yourself in situations because you think you should and you're having to really push yourself and sort of fake a different personality to get through it consistently every time and you're not feeling any more confident and you're not enjoying it at all then I think it's is that the thing you actually wanted to get to in the first place should you keep trying to fake your way into that place maybe that's just not where you want to be yeah it's so true it's so true it reminds me actually of when I did a bit of public speaking and I felt like I had to fake it till I made it Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. actually it was quite useful in the sense that I kind of had to not pretend to be confident but I think when you speak confidently people are more likely to just kind of go with it whereas I think if you kind of 
very anxious when you're public speaking and I know this definitely from first hand and you're juttering people are more likely to kind of cling on to things and go oh god is she all right is she okay and you feel like it becomes more stressful in a way whereas I think if you can try and build that confidence to a point where yeah you can fake it a little bit but like you say you get to the end and you've done it and then you can almost say with a bit of a sigh of relief god I was so anxious about that and still kind of you can kind of try and have it yeah and I think you can still be yourself like you said so well I think it's about kind of putting those pillars in place to be able to do something perhaps faking it a little bit but then coming out the other side like yeah exactly what you said I'm just repeating it because I was like yeah that that's what I meant to say (laughs) (laughs) well this is great we're on the same page I think between us between us we managed to answer that question okay I'm gonna move on to next question is from hope who says, I find it very difficult not to try and find the silver lining or put a positive spin on things. How do you encourage yourself to be truly vulnerable and honest? I love this question because I feel like hope. I am very much like that. I very I have a real tendency to try and romanticise things, um, which I don't always think is a bad thing. I think finding the silver linings in things is a really lovely coping mechanism for a lot of things in life that can be really challenging um but I also do think that accepting that things can be just shit sometimes is really okay um and it's all right to feel really sad or be in pain and kind of feel that but knowing that you have that support around you and you can ask for help but also try and look at the positive I don't think I don't think the two can't coexist. I think you can, mm. you know, sit in pain, but also think things hopefully will get easier. And I don't know if hope's anything like this, whereas I sometimes find that I can, I look for the silver linings in things, especially when I'm talking about something sad or difficult I'm going through to stop others' awkwardness or as like a people pleasing mm. thing, because I feel like if I tell someone something that I'm going through that's sad, I get really worried that it's going to fill up a room with like a big cloud of darkness. So then I have to go, oh, but it's okay because and try and kind of offset that. Um, But I think kind of realizing that we all go through difficult periods and if you've got the right people around you, people will be open to listening without hearing the silver linings. And actually, I don't think it's always bad to have them there either. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know that having gone through some difficult things in the last year, it's been those silver linings that have kind of kept me going, but also being able to recognise that things are difficult. I think it's also making time for both of those things, like accepting when things are really difficult, but also knowing that things will get better and they won't be like this forever. And I don't think that's too much of a romantic take on things. I think it's it's a positive thing, but it doesn't feel like, like I don't know too rose tinted if that makes sense okay last question I will ask is from Amelia who says I have overcome some insecurities about my body and my abilities in life as well and I'm fine with that but some close relatives keep pointing them out as if they were a problem for them even though they're not a problem for me anymore how can I avoid falling back into those insecurities if people keep reminding me of them or making me doubt myself that's a very difficult situation to be in and I really feel for her because I think it's really hard when you've overcome things that have kind of been troubling you for a long time but then other people start bringing them up so I think that's really difficult but I think acknowledging that 
is really important and the fact you're kind of saying okay these people are bringing it up I'm not happy about that I think frustratingly a difficult well maybe not a difficult but an honest conversation is probably something that would be helpful here perhaps Mm. if you felt comfortable it would be talking to those family members and saying look I've noticed this is coming up a few times um I know it's because I don't know maybe you don't need to even this is the people pleaser in me going I know it's because you care I know it's because of this maybe you don't even need to say that but it's something that I've really worked on recently and I really would be more happy if we didn't talk about it again and just trying to assert your boundary in a really gentle way because at the end of the day if you're happy they should be happy for you and they should be supportive of your the, the things that you feel comfortable with and that's what's most important and I think it's very difficult because it shouldn't be up to you to instigate that conversation. Yeah. And I think that's the hard thing. It shouldn't be like they should be able to realize that that is something that's going to upset you and could make you revisit habits or thoughts that aren't particularly useful or helpful. But I think if there was a way that you could feel like you could bring it up in a, it doesn't have to be a formal conversation in a way that's like, you know what, I'd really rather we didn't speak about that. It's something I felt quite concerned about and I'm really trying to like overcome that at the moment. I think there potentially would be a way of doing that because unfortunately, I think sometimes people, especially family members, don't really see things in the same way sometimes. And you have to kind of be quite black and white and say, I'd rather we didn't talk about that. And it's hard. It's really hard. It is hard. I mean, I have always been a big proponent of, you know, have the conversation however you're able to have it. So yes, if you can, you know, sit down with someone and say, I like, I don't know if you realize, but bringing this up is making me feel a certain way. I'd prefer it if we didn't. That's great. If you really don't think you can have that conversation, compose yourself a nice text to send them write them a yeah. nice note like send a letter like do something however it is best for you to have that conversation I always think that is all all conversations are valid conversations I I reckon I've I know I've definitely done that in life I'm not I'm not or historically I haven't always been good at having the big conversations but you know if it has to be a text that's followed up by a real life conversation, sometimes that's just the way it has to go. Yeah, I know that's the thing. I feel like I know that my dad's always a real big advocate of like, this should be a phone call. Um, and he is right. A lot of the time things are better spoken. But I think when you when it's a difficult conversation, pry, you can prime it with a text. But yeah, yeah. Prime it with a letter. It doesn't, you don't have to go away with the big guns. Set yourself up. Make your life easier. Yeah. Why make it harder when it could be a bit easier? <laughs> Exactly that. If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at GoodInfluenceGS, or you can email the podcast at GoodInfluencePod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest, and that's if listeners want to find out more about what we've been talking about today. Could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? Okay, so to read, um, I've recently been loving um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Um, It is such an amazing book. It's just full of almost micro chapters of the most inspiring 
anecdotes and passages that whenever I read it, I have to fold a page or underline it. Um, I actually felt quite anxious the other day because I went out without a pencil, so I couldn't underline some of the amazing things in it. So that's probably my read. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's a good review. If you, you must have an underlining pencil because it's all gems. <laughs> you just you can't travel without one I'm afraid it's just (laughs) stressful um my listen to um this is so hard I've actually put self-esteem's album because I feel like whenever I need to feel really empowered or like finger clicky I always put on Rebecca self-esteem um I think she's amazing really cool also Maggie Rogers is new album is very like wholesome and it makes you feel really cozy and lovely um my friend sarah sent me one of her songs called i've got a friend and it feels like it's just it makes you feel like less alone which is a really nice thing so i really love that that's a lovely one it's it's brilliant and then my watch i wish i could have a more informative watch alas i feel like when i feel insecure sometimes i just need some nora efron and therefore I've said When Harry Met Sally because I watched it the weekend and it was like an actual film blanket being wrapped around me from the moment I first heard Louis Armstrong as those leaves are falling in the first opening titles I was like ah this is what a good film should feel like so sometimes you just need that (laughs) do you know what I'm gonna make an embarrassing confession to you right now Liv I have never seen When Harry Met Sally (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's never too late it's never too I late know, I know I think I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get on it's it it's so good you know I only watched it for the first time in lockdown which I'm quite embarrassed about but I made my parents watch it at the weekend and it's just it's just great like the soundtrack's cool the outfits are amazing the like the plot is just really nice like that's a really wow I am not Mark Mode here like it's really nice <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's just a really wholesome, comforting watch. And I think it just takes you out of it for a bit. It take, And it makes you realise that the world is quite a nice place sometimes. Thank you for listening and thank you, Liv, for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can leave a rating and a review as well. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.